Amen. Let's make much of the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's celebrate his name. Amen. You may be seated. Hey, no matter how busted your bracket may be, or how bummer of a week you've had, when we lift up the name of Jesus, we are encouraged and strengthened. Amen. Because at that point, it's not about us. I'm so thankful for the way the team led us in that this morning. Um, Madison, who led us today, is a student at GU, and she is training and being mentored by Ben and uh, the, just the ministry at GU to, to work in the ministry for God's glory uh, in worship. Let's praise God for Madison. Great job, Madison. If you're new or you've not been around for like two years, for whatever reason, we want you to know our vision. And that is that hope changes everything. That in the light of this world's struggle and the mess, when we look at the hope of Jesus, it changes everything. That he came to give his life so that we could live. That he died for you. And today, if you feel like you're facing death, if you're overwhelmed, know that the, the hope of Jesus, it can really change everything as you know him, as you trust him. And we can't just talk about that hope without putting action to it. So every Easter season, around this time of year, Easter comes and uh, goes at different times, um, but this year we are going to give an offering of hope again like we do every year. And these are the three uh, specific places that your offering um, are going to give between now and Easter as you designate uh, through a check. If you put an offering of hope or you go online and uh, go, uh, give online and you tab down to the offering of hope, we're going to give to First Ides. And uh, a third of that offering will go to Ides. And that is an international disaster relief fund uh, that is formed in churches like ours all across the world where they pull resources. And right now those resources are being focused on the uh, refugee uh, issues in, uh, from Ukraine. There's over 3 million refugees that are flowing out of Ukraine. And they need not only our prayers but our support. So a third of that money is going to go through IDES to them. A third of that money is going to uh, be funneled through uh, the Polish Christian ministry. Uh, ministry, and that is one of our missions that we've supported for a long time, right in Poland, and that church is doing amazing things. Um, while they're often focused on sharing the good news with people in Poland, right now they're suspending all other efforts other than worshiping on Sunday and meeting uh, the refugee need that's flowing out of Ukraine to Poland. They have transferred their entire uh, Christian camp in their, on their property to a refugee camp, and it is full to the, to the capacity of refugees. So our resources are also going to go to help uh, the Polish Christian ministry uh, help the refugees. The third place those resources are going to go to offer hope are right here in Bond County in Greenville uh, through Core Communities. How many of you ever heard of Core Communities? Raise your hand if you've heard of that. Uh, most of you have. If you haven't, what that is is an initiative that lasts a, a year to 18 months with uh, people, applicants come into it who are in poverty. Maybe it's often generational poverty. Uh, they're living often without uh, adequate housing. Uh, maybe they don't have transportation and often even struggling with food. And through mentors and training of, of leaders in Bond County, they go through a mentorship. And many of the people the last two years have doubled their income and got out of uh, thousands of dollars debt, have jobs, and are now uh, really taking care of themselves and taking care of their families and have food and shelter and transportation and jobs. And that program is doing a great thing. And so I'd ask you to pray for that program and consider helping us fund these three things to offer hope. So I want to challenge you, starting today, you can mark uh, special offerings for uh, the offering of hope. You can put it in the generosity boxes. You can go online and do a tab of offering of hope. 
And we want to raise $24,000 above and beyond our normal offerings between now and Easter to make an impact. So each of those will get at least eight, we believe. And I believe we can blow that goal out of the water. And I pray that you would help us do that. It, it will impact thousands of people, literally. So uh, join us as we uh, off, offer hope in that way. We have started a new series. And I just want to kind of share with you the logo and slow down to talk about it just a moment. We believe, oh, even though wow, the last two years have been kind of survival mode for the church worldwide and, and even right here, while we've had some growth and some victories, it has been laborious. I personally believe, along with the elders, that God has pruned us and put us in a position to grow in the next three years, maybe more than we've ever seen. And this logo helps us see that. We're going to grow out, and that is displayed by the leaves in this tree, that, that we are going to flourish and blossom and grow out through evangelism, through witnessing for Jesus. We're going to grow deep by studying his word and, and, and relationships and discipleship, and that's signified by the roots in this picture. And then the grow young part is signified uh, by, by the uh, main body of this tree where you can see the bodies of people, different generations, growing for Christ and, and uh, the next generation being blessed by the, by the previous generation and so on and so on. Uh, Madison is an example of that this morning. While, while Ben is a young man of faith, he is already investing in the next generation of leaders. And I, I love to see that. So that, that is what we're entering into the next few years is this concept of growing. And today we are going to focus on growing deep. Next week, however, we're going to focus on, I want to give you a preview, we're going to focus on just the foundation of growing young. And that is an investment in the next generation. Uh, not only of leaders, but, but of just young people coming to know Jesus. And this church has always done a great job in investing in the next generation. Uh, so much so, you give entire uh, days of worship uh, over the responsibility of our, our youth. Next Sunday is Youth Sunday. You don't want to miss that. Ben Harris and I will be sharing the word from Acts, and we're also going to have a little thing called the chicken noodle dinner. You don't want to miss that as well. It is a great time. Only second to worship and commune that day. Uh, it is very valuable because it is godly. There will be fellowship that takes place there, but make sure you turn out for the chicken noodle dinner. The, um, the proceeds of that will go to help the students go to CIY, and we've got over 50 students signed up for CIY this summer, so uh, they will be serving us and we'll be supporting them in that way. But we need to continue to invest in the next generation. There's one way we need, where we know we need your help right now, whether you're watching online or right here in the room. We need help currently with our expanding toddler ministry. Uh, the number of toddlers in our midst are growing. You can see a picture of here recently. The toddlers are in that age group between nursery where you just change their diapers and make sure they're safe to where elementary where you have this full-blown lesson. These kids are loving Jesus, they're loving their snacks, and they're loving their teachers. And you can be one of them, all right? How can you say no to these little guys, right? That table is full. And we need teachers and we need um, assistance at um, 930 and 1045 to serve in our toddler area. If you're feeling called to do that, it's a great way to step into ministry and serving, especially as we help the church to grow young. Please talk to Tiffany or Andrea or one of the other staff members, and we're going to get you plugged into that. There is some training that you'll need to do, uh, but like I said again, uh, working with the toddlers, you don't have a full-blown lesson. You're loving them, telling them about Jesus, modeling for them, and making sure they're safe, and it's very much of a blessing. Why do we need to continue to focus on uh, the, the church and the next generation? Because they're the, they're the church of today. It is so important to do this, and we need to invest in the church of today and tomorrow. 
why, why is it so important to continue to build and grow up the church? That's a question that some of you are like, well, why do we want the church to grow? Is it just so we can be the, uh, a large church? Absolutely not. While, while numbers matter, we all see through Acts, uh, they're keeping track of how many people are being saved. Uh, do we want to do it so, so that uh, we can have prestige or, or we can put pride into that? No, we're doing this, and these are the four main reasons why we need to build and grow the church. Here's the first one. We have been bought by the blood of Jesus. Just think about that for a minute. This church, your brothers, sisters, and Christ, anyone that has been called to follow Jesus has been bought by the blood of Jesus, so it needs to be cherished. The church needs to be built up and grown. Secondly, Jesus loves us and cares for us, so we need to do the same. In Ephesians chapter 5, we see Jesus loving the church, so we need to be doing that as well. The third thing is, the church is the bride of Christ. This is a sacred thing, just as much as being bought by his blood. In Revelation, we see there's a point where there's this great wedding feast, and the groom at the wedding reception is Jesus, and the bride, which is you and I, male and female, gender ceases to matter in that eternity moment, we're all bride of Christ, and we're presented to him as holy and blameless through his blood. So we're going to build up that bride to, to make it as, as beautiful as it can. I, I see brides in the room that have recently been married and preparing for marriage, and we prepare so much to present that bride in all her splendor. That is what we're doing when we build up the church. What a great image. We are the bride of Christ. Why else do we do this? Because that's what God's doing, and we get to partner with him. We, we talked about two weeks ago. We spent a lot of time on this. We can make a lot of plans. We can work hard. But you know who's going to make the church grow? Anybody know? It's God. And he's doing that, so we get to be his partners in this. God is calling people to him right now and growing his church. It's what he's going to do until Christ returns. On the day of Pentecost, when the church was first born, when it was launched, Peter had preached about Jesus who died for us who was buried and is risen. And then the people are like, they're ready to respond. Look, look at what they say. When the people heard this, what Peter was saying, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you, your children, and all those who are far off. Anyone who call in the name of Jesus, that's the promise. For all whom the Lord your God will call. There's something special that happens when you hear the message and your heart is cut when, when you feel an urge to accept Jesus. It is God calling you. And unless he calls you, you cannot be saved. But unless you hear, you can't be called. Those who accepted the message on that day were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Can you imagine that? The church at this point was about 120 people. We know that. On the day of Pentecost, when Peter tells him this message to that crowd, 3,000 people were added to the number. It went from 120 to 3,120 in a moment. The church was exploding and growing. And here's what God did. He called these people out of the world to be a part of the church. That's what the church is. The Greek word for church is ekklesia. And it literally means, it doesn't mean church, it's not a transliteration, it means called out. Called out of the word, out of the world to be witnesses for Christ. What's interesting, the church exploded on that day. 3,000 people were called out. So, what's God doing now? We don't have 3,000 people here this morning. I believe there could be a day where we do, 
But, but why is God seemingly slowed down the call? He hasn't. Uh, the way we often witness and the way people respond has slowed down. But God has not grown slow in his desire. Look what Peter says in 2 Peter. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Okay, if you're here this morning and you've heard this for the first time, God is not slow in how much he's waiting, but he is uh, being patient that we would respond because he wants all to repent. But, there is a, a but here, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, his return. It'll surprise everybody. The heavens will disappear with a roar and the elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. That is why it's so important for us to grow out, to grow deep, and to grow young because there will be a day where God's patience is over. He, he, he'll give everyone a chance and then he'll say, hey, I'm sending Jesus back and he's going to make everything new. But before that, everything will be destroyed. And unless you're uh, in tune with him, unless you belong to him, you will have no hope. So we've got to grow out as, as witnesses. We talked about that last week. The early church took this very seriously. They preached the gospel wherever they went. And the church exploded in the midst of persecution. In the midst of realization that their leader, Jesus, was no longer with them. They continued to witness. But on this day where they grew out, they also realized they've got to grow deep. Look at the next verse of Acts chapter 2. Right after it says 3,000 came, look what it says. They grew out, and then it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. All four of these things are things we practice every time we gather. We get into the word. We, we fellowship with one another. We, we share a time of communion in the Lord's Supper, and we pray. But there's something special that happens with this first one, this commitment to the teaching, to God's word. It's really the foundation of everything we do. The early church knew if they were going to grow out, they must also grow deep in the word. Look what it says. They devoted themselves to apostles' teaching. They realized they were needed to grow deep, devoted to his word. When I think of the word, I think of really God's instruction manual for life. It's like his, his owner's manual. I don't know how many of you are like me, though. When you have an opportunity for maybe a new product or maybe you've got a new device in your life, or maybe you're just going through a new program. How many of you are like me, instead of reading the owner's manual that could be 50, 60, 100 pages, you choose to wing it? Go ahead and raise your hand if you're a guy who wings it. A lot of you aren't being honest right now. Wives, if your husband wings it, raise your hand and confess for him. Okay, I'm a winger. I just like to wing it. Last week I left you hanging, though. Remember I told the, the true story, and if you've noticed Tiffany's van, some of you are like, did it get fixed or not get fixed? It is fixed, okay? Uh, but what happened was, um, for about six weeks while I was waiting for this part to come from Canada, she said, Tyson, where's the part at? And I said, it's coming. We, we for a time, didn't even believe the, the company was real that I ordered this part from. But I, they assured me it was going to be shipped. And finally, when it got here, I was prepared. You know why? Because I didn't wing it. I got online and I uh, Googled instructions on replacing a rear bumper of a Honda Odyssey. And and then I really got even smarter than that, even better than reading an owner's manual. What do most guys do today if they want to fix something right? Watch YouTube. I watched the same YouTube thing twice, okay? I want Because Tiffany's like, Tyson, when this comes, you better fix it fast. And it was fixed. But, but I learned from experience that I need added knowledge. What I found out from the Internet and the YouTube 
was that I needed at least one special tool, which I ordered. I needed a couple fasteners to replace the ones that I was going to ruin, taking the old bumper off. And there were a couple little uh, special tricks that, that made it possible that didn't drive you crazy. With all that said, a, a relatively simple thing became very manageable. But I needed an increase in knowledge. Why are we so stubborn with how we get through life? I wonder if you've spent time in the owner's manual or are you winging it? If I would ask your spouse to raise your hand right now, uh, and don't do this, please. This is a rhetorical question. Is your spouse winging the way they honor you as their husband or wife? Are they winging it as parents? Elders, are you winging it as a leader of the church? Staff, pastors, are you winging it in your position? Or are we going to the owner's manual and say, God, we're trusting in you to have directions? Students, young people, are you winging it on how to honor God with your life? Are we as, as Christians, as a church, are we going to the Word and seeking God's knowledge? Too often the people of the United States of America, man, we wing it. We want a spiritual experience. We want the feeling of freedom. We want to have the moment where we celebrate, but often we don't concern ourselves with God's knowledge, His truth. A Gallup poll was taken a couple years back that just asked questions of the average American. Not necessarily Christian, but just Americans. Thousands of them. And they asked the, the average person what the, the number one verse of the Bible was. And, and by a huge margin, John 3.16 was the number one verse. For God so loved the world. You know how that goes. Many of you know John 3.16. The second verse that the world identified as, as a, a godly verse wasn't even a verse at all. It was this. The second verse acknowledged as a Bible verse that wasn't actually a Bible verse was God helps those who help himself. And some of you are like, well, that's a Bible verse, Right? It's not. Ben Franklin said that, okay? It's not really a bad concept because we know God honors those who works hard to honor him. There will be rewards and blessings, but it's not, it's not biblical. Yet 82% of people thought that was the second best Bible verse they knew. Even more disturbing than that, do you know that only one out of two Americans know the first book of the Bible? And even less know the last. Well, I think we need to pay attention to both. Only one out of three Americans uh, know who gave the Sermon on the Mount. Most of them thought uh, Billy Graham gave the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, Others in our community thought it was Daryl Bolin, but neither works correct. But even worse than that, only one out of four Americans believe the Bible is God's Word. Only one out of four Americans believe that God's Word was spoken to us through the Bible. The organization, the Gallup Poll people, went on to say this, that Americans say they revere the Bible, they just don't care to read it. I wonder if you're a little bit like that. We have become a nation that doesn't care about God's knowledge, His Word, His truth. And yet, we wonder why we're not blessed at times, why, why we're going through much, so much struggle. But Tyson, is it really that big of a deal? Look what Hosea says in the Old Testament about the way God's people would be limited in their blessing. He says this, my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Because they have rejected knowledge, I also have rejected you as my priest. Because you have ignored the law of your God, I also ignore your children. Here's the, here's the reality what Hosea is trying to get us to understand through the Holy Spirit. If we aren't careful and invest in the God's word as truth for our lives, our lives will be destroyed. They will be ruined. 
Our churches will fall apart. Our marriages will be lacking. Our relationships will will be uh, non-existent. The next generation, our children, will be ignored by God because they will not pursue him in any way. We need to wake up and realize the truth is extremely important from his word. Jesus said it. If you don't take my word for it, look what Jesus says in John 8. If you hold to my teachings, the apostles' teachings, the word, you are really my disciples. That's that's how you're going to know. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We think a civil rights guy said, if you know the truth, it'll set you free. It was Jesus that said it first. I am the truth, and if you know me, you will be set free. While those truths continue, need to be said, and we need to, to hold to that truth, Jesus is the one who said that. Look back to what Peter declared in a transition. He says, hey, God is not slow in keeping his promise. He's wanting everyone to be saved. But there's a day where Jesus is coming back, and unless you know him, uh, you're not going to have hope. Look what he says in the next verse, in verse 17. So be on guard. Then you'll not be carried away by the heirs of this wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge. Uh, Peter says how you're going to grow deep is in knowing the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So guys, here's one of the fundamental truths as we grow over the next three years. It's going to have its source rooted in God's word. We must be growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. That was the first devotion of the early church. Uh, I think it's uh, really uh, important that they know the order. They devoted themselves to apostles' teaching, the word, to fellowship, to breaking of bread and prayer. The order matters. Uh, the, the order of everything flows out of the teaching that came from Jesus himself through the apostles. If we're not careful, we can focus on all, court, all sorts of stuff. Have you ever noticed that churches can focus on stuff that really doesn't matter much? I, I don't want to pick on anything that ever has happened here. I don't, like, I don't know if we've ever had a trouble where we focused on the color of the carpet or uh, who gets to sing on a Sunday, or all the things we could be uh, focused on. Um, but a lot of times we focus on some weird stuff. We can focus on things that also are valuable. I, I believe if we would interview people as they left churches all over the nation today, they left, walked out of their buildings, if we ask them, hey, what should the church, what do you think we should focus more on? Because we're really kind of stagnant, we're not growing. What, what do we need to focus on? You're going to hear a lot of people say, well, we've got to focus more on good singing. And I, Man, I love good singing. I love to hear you sing to God. There's truth in that, but would that be first? Other people say, well, we need to have more servants. We know we need people in the toddler's room, and there's value to that. Enough that I would have mentioned that. And once again, if you'd like to serve in that way, we need you. But would that be first? No. But, man, we can even get more off track. There are churches across our nation today that are leaving their buildings, and they're like, man, we've got to get back to the basics. Our egg salad sandwiches have got to improve. I've been there. I've been to that church. It's dying. I went there a couple different times to preach. About 10 years ago, they lost their pastor to cancer. And he was a guy that just did everything. It was a small church in central Illinois. And all of a sudden, he was gone. So the the elders from Hersher Christian Church and the staff and I would fill in for about six months. And I was getting some real strange reports because I wasn't able to go there for a while. They are like, man, the church is in chaos. The first day I went there, I took the best sermon I'd had for last year. I mean, I was going to give it all I had. And so I get there about 30 minutes before worship, and it was chaos. There was arguing and disunity as they prepared for worship. 
I, I could tell no one was focused on the word. I, I saw no hints of anyone praying. When we got into the worship service, there was literally people uh, yelling from the, about this point of the stage up to the, the, the where they do the computer, like, that's the wrong song. And they'd yell back, and no, it's what we've got up here. Do that song. And we're like, oh, boy. We got through the worship service that was chaos. No one prayed. No one focused on Jesus other than the, what the songs were. No one shared any scripture and I preached the very best I could, and it fell like flat. I'm like, this church is hurting. This church is in chaos. But one thing the church was still doing, which has value, is they were still fellowshipping. They were still getting together after the service was over with about 30 people, and they were having a, an afternoon meal together. And I stayed for that meal. And one of the little ladies came up to me after. They're like, boy, I know we got a lot of things wrong right now, but our chicken salad sandwiches are the best around. And I tell you, I don't care that much for chicken salad sandwiches. But I was more concerned about what they're focusing on than could meet the eye there. They, they were dying and they didn't even realize it because they were focusing on the wrong things. I wonder how many times we focus on things that don't really matter. Well, well biblical truth has to be our anchor, especially during tough times. That is why the elders of this church, right before COVID hit, uh, they, they did a, a list of uh, our values that guide us, that direct us. And you know what they said at the very top? We value biblical truth. They say when push comes to shove, when we're making tough decisions, when we don't know what to do, we're going to go back to the Bible to be our anchor. And I so much am thankful for that. They said, Tyson, you're going to make sure you preach sermons that have the Bible in that. And I'm like, I can do that. Staff, we need to make sure we're getting our people into the Bible. That is why uh, last year we spent an entire year going through a book that was all about the Bible beliefs and explaining them in Core 52. How many of you read that book, Core 52, with us? It is a great example of how we can know truth of the Word and apply it to our lives, in our Christian lives, and in the church. Man, if you haven't done that, order that and get on that today. That is why this year we're, we're spending... a. Uh, Everyone is going through a time, if you're, you're welcome to do this, we're reading a book of the Bible every day together. We, we studied Core 52 and we found doctrine and beliefs. Everything from giving to grace. Everything from the need for holiness to the reality of heaven and hell. And by the way, even though the world will say hell is not real, it is very much real. And the Bible shares that. Doctrine is, is beneficial. It's not a dirty word. Some people say, well, I don't really want to study doctrine and core beliefs is really not that fun. It's hard. I want you to know you don't have to be a, a biblical scholar or a PhD to understand doctrine. Here's what doctrine is, and Ben Allen helped me uh, with this definition. Doctrine is the set of beliefs and practices derived from God's word to guide Christians in the church. That's what it is. It, it's, a, it's a set of beliefs and, and practices that we gather from God's word to guide us. And we're going to wrestle with these things. We're going to, we're going to root ourselves in these principles that come from God's truth so, so that we know how to live, so we know how to make decisions. I love the fact it goes on daily here. I had a report last night that D. Arms often goes in, like Ben Harris's office or, or Ben Allen's office, and he just asks him, hey, what are you guys thinking about? And these guys think about deep stuff. Okay, They are theologians well beyond their years. And these guys wrestle with D, some of the concepts they're sharing in worship, and with the youth, and I'm so thankful that we've got a mentor for our young pastors to sharpen themselves theologically. Amen? Let's praise God for that. that is, that's awesome. But we need to be doing the same for one another. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. 
We, we can't be afraid to listen and trust the scriptures. Look what the Bible says about itself. I know if you don't believe in the Bible, if you're watching online, maybe you stumbled across this. This will not help you. But if you trust the Bible, here's what the Bible says about itself. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God, who's that? It's you. It's not D or the Ben's. The servant of God is every believer that they may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we've got to devote ourselves to, to God's word. If we're going to grow out, we've also got to be growing deep by trusting the Bible. And here's some real practical ways to make sure you're doing this. The first is this. We're going to grow deep by devoting to God's word regularly. If, if it was good for Paul, it's good for Tyson, it's good for each one of us. Look at what it says in Scripture in Acts chapter 17. I think we read this uh, midweek this week, and I love this. It jumped out to me. Look, it says this. As Paul's custom... It was Paul's custom to do what? To go to the synagogue services. And for three Sabbaths in a row, he used the scripture to reason with the people. And you can see, if you read on, he, he tells them about the Messiah. He keeps telling them about the Messiah. It was his regular practice to be in worship and in the word. Guys, that is a regular practice. And I, I know if you make it your custom to be here, you will grow deep. Not because of me, but because of the scriptures and the Holy Spirit and people around you to sharpen you. But so much of the time, we're like, oh, we're regular. We come to church every quarter. You know what the new regular average attending person goes to church? 1.3 times a month. Not three times a month, 1.3. That is going to get us nowhere. Let's take, a, let's take a page off of Paul and say, let's do this regularly. Make it a habit. In that same chapter, look what it says in chapter 17, verse 11. This is the people... They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. As a result, many Jews believed and many different prominent Greek women and men, they also believed. Here's the challenge. Paul made it his practice and then the people were in the word day after day after day making sure that Paul was doing things right. I, 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 I submit to you to this. Uh, day after day after day, uh, make sure that we're teaching the right things as elders and pastors here. And if we're not, come to us in private first. I appreciate that. Not on Facebook where everyone can see run from the beginning, but in private say, hey, what are we doing with this? And we welcome that. Today, I know in the first service, we had a couple things that were off just as typos. And I love it when people correct that so that you also will not be distracted by that. We will make each other better as we study the scriptures. We need to do that regularly. We'll also grow deep, not only by doing that in a regular basis, but we'll grow deep being devoted by God's word personally. It's not hard. It's not rocket science, but it's on you. Look what it says in Psalms 19. We're going to see here that the primary way for you to know God and grow deep with him is in his word. Psalms 19 says this. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth Pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard in them. So this first part of this chapter is saying that you can know God by just looking at the creation around you. It may be through the birth of a child. It may be by looking at the ocean or a snowstorm. It may be just by seeing a lily come up out of the ground in the spring. It may be by seeing a double rainbow after a storm. Everybody see that rainbow this weekend? Amazing. You, you can see things in, in nature be like, God is real. 
But he takes it to another level. He says, the law of the Lord is perfect. He's not talking about nature anymore. He's talking about his word. Notice it's refreshing to the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy. They make us wise. The precepts of the Lord are right. They give us joy in our hearts. The commands of the Lord are radiant. They give us light in the eyes. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and, they all, uh, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, much more pure than gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant, which is us, is warned, and keeping them there's great reward. I want you to see here, when you spend time in the Word, this, this passage gives us insight of the blessings, the reward. Notice this. The Word of God is refreshing to the soul. Who here doesn't need to be refreshed right now after what we've been through? There needs to be a time of refreshing. The Bible promises refreshing. It makes us wise. Man, I need wisdom every day. It, it gives joy to my heart. It's radiant, gives light to our eyes, and there is a reward, but you must do it personally. This is something that D can't do for you, that your grandmother or grandfather can't give you the joy of God's word unless you do it yourself. We must make it personal. We can look around the world, but we've got to get in the word to know God. Not long after I committed my life to Jesus, man, I was a, a young boy, I think uh, much the age of a, a young man you're going to see give his life to Jesus today. And there was a day where I confessed Jesus as my Savior and the Holy Spirit really, really impacted my life. And I became emotional. And it was that day I went home and really for the first time I understood that this word was God speaking to me. It wasn't just a history book. It wasn't just information I could know uh, to, to do something right. It was God speaking to me through the Holy Spirit. It's personal. And I challenge you to grow through it. We also grow deep by being devoted to God's word completely. We can't pick and choose what our faith is based on. There is a trendy thing in our world today that's growing culture. I'm not going to name the name, but if you're curious, I'll tell you after, after church. Uh, you could Google it later on the internet. It is growing in popularity, and it's this basic concept that our faith needs to be torn down uh, and, and dismantled completely, and then we can build it up uh, basically to what fits our needs and our wants and our ideology. And it is straight from hell because it is leaving much of the Bible out and much of God's truth out, but it, it's allowing people to build their faith based on they want it. And you'll hear more about it in, in years to come. For people 40 and under, it, it's all the new rave. If you're really a, a, a pastor that's going to be relevant, you've got to do this before your faith can be shared. But the reality is, when we let out parts of the Old Testament, parts of the New Testament, just so they'll align with our ideas, we are not preaching God's word completely. And you've heard me say this, we must be devoted to God's word completely. When God, God's word comes into conflict with what I want and what you want, the word must win. That will not be popular in years to come because the word steps on my toes often. It steps on culture even more. But when our wants and our wishes do not come into, uh, into alignment with the word, what has to change is our wants and our wishes. Peter tells us this in, in his own way in Acts chapter 2. Remember that sermon that just convinced 3,000 people to be saved? What had happened, the Holy Spirit had come on the church. Refresher. The Holy Spirit came on the church and and the disciples were speaking all these different languages. Does anybody remember what the crowd thought the disciples had been doing that morning? Anybody remember? Drinking. They thought they were drunk. And, and look what Peter says. Peter, standing with the eleven, these so-called drunk guys, 
lifted up their voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. I don't know if that's the best argument. People, you can drink whenever you want. He goes, but it's too early for them to be drunk. And then instead of using his own words, you know what he does to prove his point based on uh, there's going to be a day like this? He quotes the Old Testament that so many people want to dismiss today. And in the last days it shall be God declares, and I pour out my spirit on all flesh. And all the sons and daughters shall prophesy, and the young men shall have visions, and the old men shall have dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I'll pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. He goes, this is what God's been talking about for hundreds of years. It is here, and it's all about the Messiah. On a day where you would have thought Peter would have this new inspirational, passionate message that never been heard before, he spends half of his sermon quoting the Old Testament, showing that all of the Bible is valuable. Amen? In the next transition, he goes on to, to quote David, King David, after he tells him about Jesus. Look what it says. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep hold of him. David said this about him. I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will rest in hope. Peter says, hey, you crucified Jesus, but he's alive. David said that he could trust Jesus even before he knew him. Hundreds of years before, because God had shown him uh, the Lord in the future. Peter is making it clear on this day where he could have preached with great confidence, inspired by the Holy Spirit. God's word is what wins people uh, and, and, and points to Jesus. So we're going to grow deep through being devoted to God's word. There's one more portion of this, though. We're going to grow deep by being devoted to God's word, by being passionate. We're going to do it passionately. Our final text for today is also our text for today, Acts chapter 20. On March 20th, the first day of spring, here's where God leads us today. And, and we see Paul being passionate, so much passionate that he's getting ready to leave this church he's been with for three years. He doesn't really want to leave, but he knows he's got to leave. So you know what he does? If you studied Acts chapter 20, he starts preaching a sermon on the first day of the week. And he doesn't really want to get to the end of the sermon, so he preaches all night long. And so much so where someone uh, falls asleep during the sermon. None of you would ever do that. They fall out of the window and they, they die. We're about done, by the way, okay? Hang with me. Nobody fall out of the balcony or anything. That's how passionate Paul was. He preached for roughly like a, a day. And this is the ending of his sermon. Look what it says. I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole gospel. They're like, we know, Paul, we've been here all day, okay? <laughs> Pay careful attention to yourselves and all the flock, and the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to the care for the church of God, which he obtained by his own blood. Now, this is a message to the elders. Pay close attention, because whenever I'm not around, your flock, which Jesus bought with the blood, has to be focused on the word. Why? I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come among you not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves there arises men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. 
Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease day or night, admonishing you, everyone, with tears. He's like, my passion was to make you ready for I wasn't here. For three years, I was passionately with tears uh, telling you about Jesus. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among those who are sanctified. So here's what he says. I'm leaving. you got to keep building yourself up on God's grace and his word. And you can see the rest of it there. He goes, I, I so much I believe in this. I, I pushed away gold and the opportunity to have nice clothes because what really mattered to me was you being grounded in the word. And that is my heart to do today. As we grow, it must be focused on the word. Not a bunch of wealth, not a bunch of fancy things, but the word. And he says, it is more blessed to give than receive. And he's talking about primarily the word of Jesus. This type of passion, that type of persistence is what really makes the word come alive to others. You'd be like, well, Tyson, Paul did that. Timothy did that. D. Arms does that. Uh, we see you model it, but you know who he's really calling everyone to model? The elders in the entire church to be that passionate about the word that it becomes contagious to our friends. Have you made the commitment to the word? Are you devoted to the word? That's, that's the question we're going to end with today. Are, are you devoted to realize the word teaches us the difference between right and wrong, good and evil? It declares that not all religions lead to heaven, no matter how much you believe in them, but only the word that became flesh, Jesus Christ. Are you convinced that, that God will never love you more or less, but his grace is sufficient for all of your sins as you trust in him through Jesus? Have you devoted yourself to that truth? Jesus said this, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That is the truth that saves the good news of Jesus. If you haven't, you have no hope. We're going to sing a song in just a moment, and if you would like to place your hope in Jesus today, we invite you to do so. To say, I believe that Jesus is the truth, he's the way, and I'm trusting in him. I know there's one young man playing to do that, but, but maybe you would follow his example. Maybe you've done that a long time ago, but you've not been grounded in the word. I, wanted, I want you to know a few simple challenges. Maybe start reading a chapter a day with us. Today is Acts chapter 20. Read Acts 20. Find out about the guy who fell asleep during the sermon and he still was raised from the dead, you know? Read Acts chapter 21 tomorrow, and the rest of the year we're going to read uh, chapters a day. Uh, buy Core 52 and read through that in the course of a year. Join a Sunday school class. Uh, last week I have a good news to report. The, the new young adult Sunday school class that used to meet in the, meet in the old library right, right behind this wing here, uh, they kind of outgrew that, so then we moved them to the next class down the hall that was like 50% uh, bigger. The first week they moved in there, they filled that class. And I haven't heard a report today, but we will build a bigger class if needed if people come to study his word. Amen? What's interesting, some of the classes that were able to move because they've gotten smaller during COVID, some of you need to refill those classes. Because we need to be studying the word. Maybe join a Wednesday night Bible study. But declare today that you understand that Jesus is the one who's the truth, the word that became flesh to save us. It starts by accepting him, the one who died on the cross, so that we might live. Would you please stand with me as I pray, and then we're going to sing. If you have a decision to make, maybe it's simply this, that I do believe that Jesus is the word that became flesh, and he's my Savior. Maybe it's time for you to be baptized, to have your sins washed away. Maybe you just need to make a personal commitment to be in the word every day. Whatever decision you have, uh, man, cling to it.
and give it to him. Father in heaven, I thank you for today. Lord, lead us to be committed, devoted first to your word and help us to grow deep. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.